What I want to talk to you about is curses, and some of this you all have heard before. Some of it you haven't, and I'm going to start with what you have. The physical world we live in was created by the spiritual world, not the other way around. So reality is the spiritual world. This is a created thing of the spiritual world. So the spiritual, in a sense, is certainly more powerful than the physical. The problem is, when we got crosswise of God in the garden, we fuzzed up our connection to the spiritual. In other words, we don't have the connection that we are designed to have because we disobeyed God clear back in the garden. So what God in his infinite mercy did is he gave us an instruction manual, which is, this is how you navigate the world that you are plopped into in light of what's going on in the spiritual world. There's stuff going on in the spiritual world that you don't have access to, so what God gives you in the Bible is instructions on how to operate so that you don't get crosswise of the spiritual. Unfortunately, we don't do a very good job of it. So what winds up happening is we get crosswise of things spiritually and we often don't realize we have done so. So what I want to talk about today is, first off, what a curse is, how to recognize it, and then what to do with it if you decide or discover that you are operating under a curse. Now let me give you a practical example. You all know that Kay has been coughing for years. She's in fact been coughing for 20 years. I normally operate in the gift of healing and I have not been able to do anything with that. We have checked with doctors and they all say, we can't find anything wrong with you. And my lightning fast mind all of a sudden about 10 days ago said, wait a minute, maybe this is a curse. And we started going after it as if it were a curse and we have all of a sudden made tremendous progress getting it cleaned up. Still not completely cleaned up, but for example, one of the manifestations of this is she would cough all night on Erev Shabbat. Last night she slept through the entire night without coughing. Praise God. But what I'm telling you is it wasn't until, as I say, my lightning fast mind said, wait a minute, this isn't a healing problem. This isn't a demon, which is the way we'd been handling it before or trying to handle it before without success. What this is apparently is a curse been very frustrating and by the way that's one of the signature characteristics that you are under a curse and that's frustration. Once I surmised what our problem was I started going back in and study it and one of the places that I fetched up is Derek Prince has a book and it's excellent so I'm using his outline because he's done a very good job of condensing stuff and so forth and I've, I've used his bullet points and that kind of thing. By the way Derek Prince Blessing or Curse, You Can Choose is the name of the book. You can pick it up at any Bible bookstore. You can pick it up on Amazon. I got it on Kindle. It's a really good resource. This is probably the most concise and easily readable compendium of that process. I agree with almost everything that he says. He's a Sunday Christian, and he doesn't appreciate Torah in the same way that we do. And with those allowances, he's otherwise very sound. As you all know, sort of the signature place to start with curses is Deuteronomy 28. Oh, one other thing. I haven't counted them, but curse and bless is mentioned in the Bible 
like six or seven hundred times. It's extremely important. God mentions curses all the time. So the fact that he's telling you about them and he's telling you what causes them, he tells you how to avoid them and so forth, is an extremely important subject in Scripture. And of course Deuteronomy 28 is sort of the compendium of it. So I'm going to put up Derek's list and what he's done is he's taken Deuteronomy 28 and he has synopsized it. So, blessings and curses. Blessings are exaltations. In other words, things will go well with you. You will be lifted up. Curses, you'll be humiliated. So you have mirror image, if you will. By the way, I have these notes. If you want the notes, send me an email and I will send you a copy of my notes. Blessing would be health. A curse would be mental and physical sickness. A blessing would be reproductiveness. In other words, you yourself are fruitful, your family is fruitful, your flocks are fruitful, etc. So the curse would be barrenness, unfruitfulness, and family breakdown. Blessing would be prosperity. The curse would be poverty. So for example, one of the things that most Americans don't recognize is debt is a curse. It's listed as a curse in Deuteronomy 28. Everybody is just consumed with their credit score. How much money can I borrow? Look at television, you look at the radio, the fascination with credit scores and all that kind of stuff is an indication that we're living under a curse. The blessing would be victory, curse would be defeat. The blessing would be God's favor, the curses would be oppression, failure, and God's disfavor. So for every blessing you have an appropriate curse. Now some signs of a curse. I'm using Derek's list here again. Mental or emotional breakdown. Repeated or chronic sickness, especially if it's hereditary. So if you've got the same disease that goes in your family. So for example, you all know the story of Hopney and Phineas, right? Eli was a priest. His two sons were wicked and they were doing stuff like taking the best part of the sacrifice and so forth. And God goes to Eli and says, you're cursed. From now on you will never have an old man in your family. And his two sons then died. And through that line, the male members died in their 40s. And that goes for generations. So if you've got repeated or chronic sickness, especially if it's the same stuff that happens in your family over and over, that might be a sign of a curse. Barrenness, or a tendency to miscarry or related female problems. Remember we said the blessing was reproductiveness, the curse was barrenness or family problems. So again, if you have barrenness or female problems, that may be a curse. Breakdown of marriage and family alienation may be a sign of a curse. Continuing financial insufficiency, just barely getting by, being accident prone. I have a sister, many of you have met her, she's been here a time or two. Her husband is quite wealthy. He started off as a farmer and transitioned to being president of the local bank. So they have plenty of money, so they would get new cars all the time. And she was forever wrecking cars. She would be sitting at a stop sign and somebody would plow into her from behind. She was not a careless driver, but I have no idea how many cars new cars she was in that got wrecked. 
And then finally, a history of suicides or unnatural or untimely deaths in your family. And uh, Prince's comment on this, if you got more than a couple of those, you're probably operating under a curse. We live in this world, people get sick. The fact that you get sick occasionally is not a sign of a curse. But if you have this chronic illness that goes on for years, or you have the same illness that runs in your family, that may be a sign of a curse. Okay, what causes a curse? Words. That's the only thing that causes a curse. Now, you're going to say to me, well, what about Deuteronomy 28? Well, Deuteronomy 28 is preceded by Deuteronomy 27. Let's look at Deuteronomy 27. Starting in verse 9, the curses that will be recited from Mount Ebal. And you go down, Cursed is the man who makes a cast metal image, an abomination to the Lord, being made by the hands of a craftsman and sets it up in a secret. And the people shall answer and say, Amen. So what causes the curse? The words are the curse. The behavior is what makes the curse apply to you. It's the utterance that generates the curse. The curse only becomes effective when the victim accepts it. So the Levites say, Cursed be anyone who lies with his father's wife. And the people shall say, Amen. So then, if you go and lie with your father's wife, you have accepted the terms of the curse, and the curse then becomes operational in your life. And the other thing is the only ones who can proclaim a curse are people. Notice God gives the word to Moses. Moses then says it, and then the Levites then say it. Who's got dominion here? God gave us dominion, didn't he? So a man will pronounce the curse, and that makes the curse operational. And then if someone accepts the terms of the curse, then the consequences of that curse become operational in his life. Now, the other part about a curse, which is even more fun, is your ancestors can accept the terms of the curse on your behalf. Because remember, it says, to the third and fourth generation. So, for example, if you had a grandparent or a great-grandparent that was into the occult and brought a curse upon himself, that curse may be operating on you even though you personally are not involved in the occult. So what happens then is, since humans are fallible, things happen in your ancestry that may in fact be a curse upon you. Going back to my wife, her father died of lung cancer when she was 18 months old, a baby. Her mother had a cough and she used to be in fear that her mother was going to die too because her father had died of lung cancer, her mother had a cough. You see where this is going? We don't know what it was in her family. We, we don't have that information at this point, but we can recognize that something is going through the generations, and that we can work with. Now, Proverbs 26.2 specifically says, A curse causeless does not light, which means if somebody pronounces a curse on you, but you do not meet the terms of that curse, the curse doesn't light on you, so it's not operational. So going back to our Deuteronomy 27, which is a list of curses, by the way. If you don't sleep with your father's wife, 
then the terms of that curse don't apply to you, so that curse will not alight upon you. The point is, if your behavior is innocent, then the fact that somebody has pronounced a curse doesn't necessarily have anything to do with you. The other part of that, by the way, remember I said your ancestors may have agreed to the terms of a curse on your behalf. You can agree to the terms of a curse on the behalf of your children. So if you are violating one of the things in Scripture that brings a curse with it, then that curse may go down to your children. Now, we all tend to look at generational curses as, those guys did that to me. Understand, you can do that to them. That's the way it works. A common one that goes down through generations is involvement in the occult, worshiping other gods. So if your great-grandfather had been in some kind of an occult society, Masons, for example, and had taken all the oaths of being a Mason and so forth, the consequences of worshiping a false god would fall on you, and those consequences, even though you don't worship a false god, are still operational in your life. Similarly, if you decide to go out and become a Mason, or you decide to go out and become some other kind of a cult member, and then you have children, the consequences of your behavior would affect them and their children down at least to the fourth generation. One of the things that most of you recognize is that Satan is a lawyer. Not lawyers or Satan. Satan is a lawyer. There's a difference. And the point is, the mechanics of this stuff is precise and understandable. And that's why God gives you scripture so you can understand what the mechanics are. Now, going back to Mount Ebal, the Levites pronounced the curse. Israel agreed to abide by those terms. The mechanics of this are statutory. And it's like the Colorado statutes or whatever. Theoretically, they can't arrest you unless you violate a statute. And theoretically, you know the statutes. So that you then say, the statute says that when you come to a red octagonal sign, you come to a full stop, look both ways before proceeding through the intersection. That's what the statute says. So if you don't do that, if you just blow on through the intersection, you have agreed to the consequences of violating the statute. Now you may get arrested, you may get hit by another car, I mean all sorts of things may happen to you, but you know what the statutes are and you then choose to violate them. And again, as I said, the thing about a curse is your ancestors may have chosen for you. That's the part that makes them difficult. Because if you personally violate one of the statutes, one of these laws, you know what you did. But if your ancestors did it for you, now you've got some detective work to figure out what it is that's causing the consequences that you can observe in your life. Remember I started off with, these are some of the characteristics of people who live under a curse. I'll go through them again now. Mental or emotional breakdown. Repeated or chronic sickness, especially if it's hereditary. Barrenness, a tendency to miscarry or related female problems. Breakdown of marriage and family alienation. Continuing financial insufficiency. Being accident prone. A history of suicides and unnatural or untimely deaths. Those are all indications of a curse. Now you know what you're dealing with, which is a tremendously hopeful place to be. 
Because if you know what you're dealing with, you can now take steps to get out from under it. The problem is all of these things individually can happen naturally. In other words, somebody can go crazy just having nothing to do with a curse. So what you've got is if you've got a bunch of those or two or three of them, you start saying, wait a minute, something's going on here. I need to do some detective work and figure out how this came upon me and now I need to figure out how to get rid of it. As opposed to, gee, I just wrecked another car. You see what I'm saying? The idea that God has given you the understanding of what's going on in the spiritual world then gives you the key to do your detective work to unwind it. So, sources of curses. And again, this is Derek's list, but they're all taken from Scripture. And the problem is, it's, Deuteronomy 28 is sort of a chunk, but there are lots of other places where curses are pronounced in Scripture, and he sort of amalgamated them all. First one is acknowledging or worshiping false gods or an involvement with the occult. Now, what's the occult? And why do people worship false gods? Remember, we started this off by saying the spiritual world is real. This world is a creature of the spiritual world. Not that it's not real, but it's a derived thing from the spiritual. The spiritual is ultimate reality, physical that we have. This is going to pass away. It's, it's transitory. It's going to be reformed and so forth. People are spiritual beings. And what people naturally want is power and a better deal. And so what they figure is if they connect with the occult, they can get power or a better deal in some aspect of their lives. An example would be love potions. You really like that guy or that gal, so what you do is you go to a witch and say, give me something that will make that person like me. Very common thing. More common in the past than it is now, but still very common. That's involvement with the occult. What you're trying to do is you're trying to get power that God doesn't want you to have. You have one authorized connection with the spiritual world, and that's through the Holy Spirit via God. Any other connection you make with the spiritual world besides that one is going to lead you into a place that you're not going to want to be. And the reason it's tempting is because those false gods, demons, whatever you want to call them, promise you a better deal. I can give you power. I can give you wealth. I can give you love. I can give you whatever it is if you come talk to me. Yeshua was tempted with everything except love. And the temptation is, I can give you a shortcut. Instead of going through the authorized connection, I can give you a shortcut through another connection, and I can get you directly the stuff you want. I can get you good crops. I can get you whatever. That's the temptation. So the first source of a curse, then, is worshiping other gods or false gods or involvement with the occult. Second one is disrespect for parents. Remember, honor your father and your mother, and it will go well with you. What happens if you don't honor your father and your mother? Oppression or injustice. One of the things that God says over and over again is you shall not oppress the stranger, the fatherless, or the widow, or the poor. You know, say that you come from a family that is fairly wealthy. And granddad made the family fortune through oppressing people. And if that's how granddad made the family fortune, and you have access to this family fortune, you also have access to all the curses that go with it. Illicit or unnatural sex. 
Remember the curses on Mount Ebal? Cursed is he who lies with his sister. Curses, you know, all that kind of stuff. So illicit or unnatural sex, anti-Semitism. I will bless those who bless you. I will curse those who curse you. I can still remember visiting my grandparents in Minnesota. Virulently anti-Semitic. Carnality or apostasy. That's wanting to do things your way as opposed to God's way. And the poster child for that, I think, is Jeremiah 17, 5. Thus says the Lord, Cursed is the man who trusts in man and makes flesh his strength whose heart turns away from the Lord. What it's saying there is, you who want to do things in your carnal strength, as opposed to talking to and operating through God, you're going to bring a curse on yourself. Now, don't get me wrong. You go through life and there's a whole bunch of stuff you do just doing your job and all those kinds of things. He's not talking about that. What he's talking about is trusting in yourself instead of trusting in God. Theft or perjury, one of the Ten Commandments. You shall not steal and you shall not bear false witness, right? So theft or perjury. Withholding from God material resources to which he has a claim. So God tells you how to deal with the abundance he gives you. The tithe is mine. The firstlings of your flock, they're mine. And so if you withhold them from him, you bring a curse upon yourself. Words spoken by people with relational authority. Now, what's that mean? Remember I said a curse always starts with words. Somebody speaks words, and then in order to be under the curse, you must meet the conditions of those words. And I'll give you my example. My mother, when I was four or five years old, said, Johnny, you can't sing. And for... A long, long time, decades and decades, I would always mumble when we sing. may not sound any better now than I used to, but I sing out now. <laughs> okay? may not sound any better, but that's your problem, not mine. Right? A teacher. You're lazy. A parent. How many parents say to their kids, God damn you, when they're angry? Dummy? So somebody who is an authority over you relationally could be a pastor, could be a teacher, could be your boss. Doctors, oh, doctors are big ones, they're terrorists. And again, don't get me wrong, doctors do good things, but they are terrorists. <laughs> Self-imposed curses. I can never do this. I never get this right. I can't spell. On and on. Things that you say about yourself can bring a curse. Pledges or oaths that binds you to ungodly associations. Remember I was talking about the Masons earlier. There are terrible oaths that they take as a part of the process of moving through that organization. And they have bound themselves with those oaths. Curses that proceed from servants of Satan. Where's your scriptural poster boy for that? Balaam. Remember, Balaam gets hired to come and curse Israel. God intervenes and doesn't let him do it. But had God not intervened, there would be a curse. And somebody said that you have witches and so forth that are cursing the president and cursing everything. Yeah. And those things can have power. Lashon hurrah, evil tongue, tearing somebody else down by words. And then prayers that seek to accuse or control other people. 
Oh, I'm praying to God. I'm praying God. And what I really want to do is I want to control this, but I want to have it ricochet through my prayer to God. I want to be in control. Notice there's a lot of stuff there, which is why God gives you this big book so that you can read it and you can recognize what it is that causes a curse in your life or can cause a curse in your life. All right, so how do you get rid of these? First step is to recognize that you're dealing with a curse. Remember, I led this off with the problem with Kay's cough. We were trying to heal it. We were trying to get rid of demons. We were do- and we were dealing with the wrong thing. What we were dealing with was a curse, not an illness or a demonic manifestation. And the way you deal with an illness or a demonic manifestation are very different than the way you deal with a curse. And until we started dealing with it as a curse, we were making no progress. Now that we've started dealing with it as a curse, we are making progress. So first step of the process is recognize that you're dealing with a curse. And as I said earlier, the fact that you happen to be pure as the wind-driven snow may have nothing to do with the fact that you are under a curse. Because remember, your ancestors may have agreed to the terms of the curse on your behalf, which is what makes it interesting. That's what makes it hard. Because if you're the one that brought the curse on you, you at least have some memory of what you did. But I got no memory of what my great-grandparents may have done. No information whatsoever. So the first thing you do is you confess your faith in Yeshua. You go to God and say that His blood is sufficient to forgive all sins and heal all disease. Second thing you need to do is repent of your sins. Yours and your ancestors. What's the poster child for that? Book of Daniel. And in Daniel chapter 9, Daniel, when he recognizes that Israel is under a curse, they're up to their hips in Babylonians, for God's sake, so we have a problem. And he looks at the scriptures and he says, all right, the 70 years decreed is coming to an end. He does not just sit on his blessed assurance waiting for the clock to run. What he does is he goes before God and he confesses his sins and the sins of his ancestors that got him there. So your sins you know about, the sins of your ancestors you don't necessarily know about, but you confess them anyway. First, do you repent of them? And what's the difference between repentance and confession? Repentance is you change your ways. You stop doing what it is that has gotten you there. Confession is where you then speak out that I have violated this or my ancestors have violated this and I am sorry and I ask for forgiveness. So first one is repent, which is stop doing it. And then the second one is confess, which means you acknowledge before God that you have trespassed and you ask for forgiveness. And be as specific as you know how to be. I don't have any idea what my ancestors did, so I can't be terribly specific there. Certainly be specific about the stuff I've done, and there's enough of that that keeps me busy. So repent first and then confess, and ask for release from the consequences. Part of forgiveness is being released from the consequences of those things. You're asking for mercy. So repent, stop doing it, confess, be as specific as you can, and then ask for mercy. And as part of the process, the next thing that you need to do is you need to forgive those who have wronged you. That's the hard part. 
you got to go through a list of everybody that you can think of that has done you wrong, and most people have a really long list. We're good at keeping those lists. Those are lists we tend very carefully. But you got to go through that list, and you've got to forgive them. Because Yeshua says that if you don't forgive, God won't forgive you. And the other part of that, by the way, is if there's somebody that you have wronged, you need to, as best you can, make it right. So forgive and restore as best you can. Families very often do each other lots of damage. And my parents are dead. I can't go back and make things right with them for what I did. But I can forgive them for what they did. I mean, my parents weren't monsters. I'm not suggesting that they're some kind of monsters. But we all do things to each other that damage each other. Just part of living. So you need to get the decks cleared as best you can. And again, that's one of the things we do in the run-up to Yom Kippur. It's one of the nice things about the Jewish traditions. I am not normally a demonstrative person. And one of the things I like about Shabbat and so forth is it gives me a place where my role is to bless my wife and my children. It's part of the liturgy. I like that because it is not my nature to walk up to somebody and bless them and all that kind of stuff. I'm learning, but the idea that there is a place in the liturgy and a place in the tradition where you're the father, this is what you do next. Okay, I can follow those directions. So the fact that the year gives you a place in the run-up to Yom Kippur where it's explicit that you go find people that you have done wrong and you get things straight between you. You don't have to wait for Yom Kippur, you understand. But I'm just saying, the nice thing about living in Torah is there's a place where all of these things happen if you pay attention. So repent, confess, ask for release, then forgive and repair as best you can. The next thing you do, we're still getting rid of the curse, renounce any contact with anything occultic or satanic. You carry a rabbit's foot around. Ouija boards. And again, most of you are probably aware enough that you don't do that stuff, but there's just a whole lot of stuff that is occultic that we don't recognize. Got to get rid of that. And then finally, the last one is believe that your prayer was effective. Remember it says, if you pray and believe. So the last thing is believe that the prayers that you prayed and the actions that you have taken have been effective. Once you deal with a curse, don't go looking for it again. Don't go looking for it laying there to pick it up again. Part of that realization is I've changed the way I speak. So when people ask me how I am, I say I'm greatly blessed and beloved of God. Grocery store clerks love it. The whole point of this is you are the current link in the chain. There are people that came before you. There will be people that come after you. And it's your job to transmit from your ancestors to your progeny as accurately and as benignly as you can. Each generation has the opportunity to start a whole new chain. In addition to being affected by the chain that came before, there's always the possibility that you get to do your own sinning and start your own chain of curses if you want to. I suggest you don't. One of the things that Scripture says is you shall not have the name of foreign gods on your lips. Has anybody got a pair of sneakers with a swoosh on them? 
Oh, you mean the Greek goddess, Nike? Anybody got a doctor with uh, caduceus? The snake on a pole. That's Mercury. Two snakes is Mercury. One snake is Moses's healing snake. Anybody have a very popular cleaning product under his sink? Ajax is a Greek god. We have got so much crap interwoven in our daily lives that you sort of got to pay attention as you navigate. Many of you know the story of my daughter. I was not a believer when she was born and we named her Diana, which is a Greek goddess. And when she heard, she says, you shall not have the names of foreign gods on your lips, she says, I can't have that name anymore, and she went and got her name changed. Again, understand that the world we live in is a literal minefield. You don't have to be guilty of anything to step on a mine. But if you hear the click as you stepped on a mine, you ought to say, whoa, wait a minute, stop. i got to stop what I'm doing. I've got to change. And the more you know, the more aware you can be. And the more aware you are and the more seriously you take this stuff, the less opportunity you will have to pass curses onto your progeny. And the better opportunity you will have is to figure out what curses are operating in your life and break them. Our society, and not you folks, because you've got better sense, but our society tends to poo-poo all this stuff. And the idea here is if you recognize what you're dealing with, you can deal with it. Most people go through life blind and just stumble into stuff. <laughs>